This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. Sleep hot. Mattress Firm's sleep experts can match you with a cooling mattress from the Temper Breeze Collection from Tempur-Pedic, so you can experience measurably cooler sleep all night. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day Sale. Sleep at night. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week, a look back on the Fast and Furious franchise with Pop Culture Happy Hour. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. Happy Fourth of July. We made it. In the everlasting words of President Thomas J. Whitmore from the classic film Independence Day. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. United in our common interests. Today is the Fourth of July. You know, we are living in a very divided world these days on politics, on whether to wear masks or to get vaxxed. Even when it comes to basic truths, like which is the best Beyonce album? It's B-Day. I'm right. Anywho, in this time of division, what better common denominator, what greater uniter than the Fast and the Furious. Y'all ever thought about the wild missions we've been on? We've taken out planes, trains, tanks. I'm not going to even think about the submarine. And now we got cars. To mark our most patriotic holiday and the release of the latest film in this franchise, this week we're bringing you a very special episode from our friends over at NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. They had me on recently for two episodes in the guest chair. We're going to play one for you now. In this episode, we look back on the entire Fast and the Furious franchise history and what that movie series impact has been since the first one debuted two decades ago. I know, two decades ago. All right, here is my chat with the folks over at NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour all about the greatest film franchise of all time, The Fast and the Furious. Twenty years ago, The Fast and the Furious debuted as a scruffy car culture movie, and it was a hit. It was followed by two sequels that didn't quite satisfy, so they regrouped. And since then, it's become the blockbuster machine. Some love it, some hate it, some love to hate it, some hate to love it. When you do this much business for this many years, it's hard not to have an impact and to feel the impact of everything else that's going on in film. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Linda Holmes. And today we're talking about the Fast and Furious franchise's legacy and impact on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. So don't go away. Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to Voices.Cancer.org. 
Capitalism touches every part of our lives. Capitalism is a giant force that I don't understand. I feel that it's a very safe system. I am constantly in fear of losing my job. It is our biggest success and our biggest failure. On this special series from Throughline, Capitalism. Listen now to the Throughline podcast from NPR. Welcome back. Here with me and Aisha is Sam Sanders, the host of NPR's It's Been a Minute. Welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me. And also joining us is NPR White House correspondent Aisha Rasko. Hi, Aisha. Hello. So last week we talked about F9, the latest film in the franchise. We separated this discussion because we really want to take a breath and talk about these movies kind of as a whole. It's been a pretty bumpy ride for them in some ways. They lost their leading man when Paul Walker died in an accident in 2013. They've kind of reset several times. But the central point of it uh, involves uh, Vin Diesel playing Dominic, who is a, a kind of a started out as kind of a petty criminal and now is sort of a global spy slash crime fighter. Originally, his gang was infiltrated by Paul Walker, who played a an undercover police officer. But gradually, of course, sort of point-break style, they became allies and friends. And then they developed this big team of people who go around and respond now to various emergencies around the world. They've actually had a variety of directors over the course of this franchise. The first one was directed by Rob Cohen. But then they started having a lot of really interesting folks behind the camera. John Singleton, Justin Lin, uh, James Wan, F. Gary Gray. Most of the scripts between between Tokyo Drift, which was the third movie, and the eighth movie, the scripts were from Chris Morgan. Um, he ducked out of F9. But you still have kind of this blockbuster franchise that relies on this team that fights bad guys. Aisha Rasko, were you a, a Fast and Furious person from the beginning or more recently? I, I will be honest. I did not get into it in the early movies. Like, and, and it wasn't because I didn't like them and I might have actually gone to see them in the movies. It's just, I, you know, it was just they were movies. They were out there, right? Like, you know, I, I was probably pretty young then, too. I think, you know, because I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty young now, too. But... <laughs> But I was very young then. And so I think I just, you know, wasn't particularly into it. But then, and they went through those phases where it seemed like Vin Diesel maybe thought he was too big for Fast and the Furious, so he left. But then it was like he came back and and Paul Walker, and, and it seemed like they decided, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. We're going to make this movie over and over again. And that's when I started getting into it, when everybody started coming back and they started doing these massive casts. And it was like, why are they saving the world? What is a heist? Are they James Bond? What was what's going on? It was very far removed from car racing. And it was very much just them, you know, driving around in fast cars. And I I love that. Like I love the just the absurdity of it and them like they're about to fall off a cliff and you know and then they're flipping and they're jumping out the car and I, and then that was just exciting to me and i just like with these movies i can never remember one from the other they all are kind of like one big movie to me they're like <laughs> one they're big one, family you might one say one big family that's the other mm-hmm. thing that i love about them <laughs> is they're all about family <laughs> yeah they've it's amazing yes. because yes. That family thing has taken this franchise so far, and it's such a, in some ways, it's such an afterthought. They tend to kind of include it in the final (laughs) scene when there's like a big barbecue at someone's house, and then they all talk about it's all family, and they toast, and they drink beers. 
But like, it doesn't come up for the rest of the movie a lot of the time. And frequently when they scatter after a mission, like then you find out like a year and a half later, they haven't seen each other. And it's like, well, it's all about family. So that all you do together is missions. And then you go off and... And not take care of your kids. But I think it kind of makes you feel like you can connect to it in this weird way because it's like, isn't all of our lives just about family and work and all that? So so they they do their work Mm -hmm. and, and then they have... Their family, that's how they survive with their connections to other people. I'm trying to get a little deep here. Sure. They connect to other people. (laughs) And I also like that there's a lot of redemption in Fast and the Furious because people go from being bad to being good they do. all the time and they do it's true <laughs> well especially i think especially if they discover that like they really only want to use you as a villain once and yes. so then if they're going to bring you back i think this is what happened with jason statham if they're going to bring you back they have to sort of bring you back as a better person they want to switch up the villains every time so some of the villains have been through some level of redemption sam are you a fast and the furious guy i am and I think there's three big reasons I love this franchise, and I will break them down briefly. First reason, um, Charlize Theron's white lady dreadlocks <laughs> in whatever movie she first showed F8. of the franchise. Oh, no. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah, that, right? yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, yes. Now, and they cut them off for F9. Now she's they got sure like a did. little bowl cut situation happening <laughs> which is interesting mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's, it's it's not quite the the um shoulder length cut it's no. like the more severe very severe. <laughs> like, yeah it is the little it's the little what is charlie's throne if not severe it's true in true. these movies she certainly is i'm right? sorry what's yeah. your next reason Sam? No, that's what's okay next? next two points i love this franchise because of the way it handles plot and the way that it handles race um let's do plot first These movies have stopped caring about plot. One could argue they never did. And that's what makes them great action films. I found myself as I left the theater after F9 saying, I'm so glad they didn't let the plot get in the way of some really good car chase scenes. And then I immediately (laughs) compared it to the experience I have whenever I go to see some movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like Infinity War. Like, these movies spend so much time putting all the plot together from all the comic books and making sure that everything is sewed up with the nice bow on top. It gets in the way. And Fast and the Furious, they don't care. They really don't care. They want you to have a good time. And one could make the case... That as the Fast and Furious franchise has moved from being a series of car films to really being a series of superhero films, I think it is on its way to becoming a more enjoyable superhero franchise than whatever Marvel is doing that makes me fall asleep in their films. I don't know if I agree with that. I got sorry. I got to I got to agree with Sam. Because I've never been a Marvel person, and I get it. It's too yeah. much plot. It's too what? much plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've what? often been heard to say that there is entirely too much um, mythology and backstory in a lot of those yeah. of those yes. films, and they spend too much time setting it up. Not, it's not that there's too much, but it's that they have to re-explain it every time. So my take has sometimes been like, just tell me there's a box, and everyone wants the box, and then just <laughs> Thank go. You. Um, yes. And this is very close to that. F9 yes. is very close to that. Very it's close. just... <laughs> They're just like, magnets, space, satellite. <laughs> well, and it's like, we got half a ball. We got to find the other half of the ball. And, the and then the key. And, and the, the key. key. Yes. And the key. Yes. And that I can understand. And you don't spend a lot of time setting that up. They just kind of do it. You know? Just they just kind of say, go. Uh, the last reason I love this film franchise is because of the way it handles race. 
So Wesley Morris first made this argument back in 2011 when he was an opinion columnist and a writer for the Boston Globe. And he actually won a Pulitzer for his review of Fast Five, which made the case that the Fast and Furious series was the first truly racially progressive cinematic force of a film series. He says it's a collection of movies that puts blacks, whites, Asians, Hispanics, and various combinations on equal footing, and they don't make a big deal about it. Uh, He argued back then that it was the most progressive force in Hollywood because he said, where else would you see such a weird mashup of so many different kinds of people who really don't think more than three or four seconds about their differences? I still feel the same way about these movies. You know, they are not Oscar-worthy, but what they're doing visually, I think, is good. It's kind of nice and escapist to see a movie full of people of different races that isn't going to pat itself on the back about that. They just do the movie. I think that's fair to say. I, You know, I have had moments, and like, obviously, I would not presume to be the one to pass judgment on this. I have sometimes thought about the use of Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson as like the pure comic relief, the kind of like wisecracking yeah. comic relief. Yeah. I have sometimes wished that there were more black participants in that main core cast who were not comic relief. Do you know what I mean? I totally got that. And then I wanted to feel that same way too. But then in F9, you've got Tyrese's character putting duct tape on his old spacesuit as the Pontiac goes to space. It's true. And I forgive it all because it's just good. Look, it's just sort of thinking through like representation alone as like a, I think I agree with Wesley Morris to the point that this franchise has given a lot of work and undoubtedly money, not only to a diverse cast, but a diverse group of directors as well. And I think that's very cool. Um, Also, I think that's tightly, tightly connected to the international box office power Mm -hmm. of these films, which is one of the reasons why they make absolutely ridiculous amounts of money, you know, as as a lot of action blockbusters do. But I, I definitely I definitely think you're right. All right, coming up, more on the Fast and the Furious franchise with Pop Culture Happy Hour. We talk about where else this franchise might go. Spoiler alert, they've already been to space. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu with Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, Black Twitter, a people's history tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history premieres May 9th, streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're home shopping as a parent, you have lots of questions about local schools. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by a dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. On NPR's Throughline... We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. 
Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the show, in honor of this holiday weekend, we are bringing you a very special episode from our friends over at NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's an episode all about the Fast and the Furious film franchise. Aisha Harris, are you a Fast and Furious person? You are. I know I was kind of delighted and thrilled to find out that you are a Fast and Furious person. I mean, I am a relatively recent convert to this franchise. I resisted it for years. And I don't think the the first film that I intentionally saw (laughs) that wasn't just like on TV in the background was the seventh film. I saw that in theaters. That was, of course, sort of probably the most emotional one because that was the final film that Paul Walker was in. And they did a very beautiful send off at the end of that. But I I did go back and rewatch last year when we were all very much under uh, lockdown still. Ari and I watched together the entire series again. And it was interesting to watch the evolution of the series because I realized why I didn't watch the the earlier ones because it has that MTV spring break look where there's always half-naked girls just prancing around. I will say one thing I've noticed is that over the years, they still have that one scene where there's just women dancing around cars for whatever reason. But in (laughs) F9, they were all fully clothed. And that that's progress, right? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I like it better now that it's not just about car mechanics. Because I don't, I don't care if it's a Dodge Charger. Like, just just make <laughs> things blow up, please. Do that for me. Mm-hmm. And I also, speaking of race, I have a couple of clips I want to play um, that I think, <laughs> to me, sort of symbolize the weird, sometimes fun, sometimes awkward way in which this franchise handles race. And they're both from the second film, Too Fast, Too Furious, which introduces us to Tyrese Gibson's character, Roman. Let your man go, huh? Drop it, I don't want to talk about it. Drop it, hell? I want to hear about this, homie. I said forget about it, cuz. <laughs> that was Paul Walker. And here he is again. Open a garage together. A garage? How we gonna do that, bruh? Pockets ain't empty, Oh, boy. So in those clips, you have Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibson. And Paul Walker, for whatever reason, in the second film, took on a black scent, a a weird sort of affect where he just kept saying cuh and cuz, as in, like, it was the weirdest thing. And Paul Walker, to begin with, I'm sorry, was not a great actor. And here... I don't know who gave him the note to do this. In front of John Singleton. In front of John Singleton, of all people. But I guess John Singleton was like, I I'll just so. roll with this. I, guess so. <laughs> but, but... I bet he asked for it. I bet he was one who asked for it. He was the director. Uh, Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But like, it's just weird to, to hear Paul Walker, this like very poster boy for Abercrombie and Fitch, <laughs> to, like trying to adopt Tyrese Gibson's affect. And yeah. it's it's icky, but it's also just like, very comical and makes it weirdly endearing to me. And and then, of course, he dropped it after that. But he was just like, yeah. for this movie, I'm going to do this and we're all going to roll with it. And people who love this franchise know that that is a classic moment. And I appreciate it. It's a, sort of a growing pains moment to me in some ways because this process, you know, in the first movie, Dom's crew is mostly white. And so it's mostly Dom's crew against, you know, there's a East Asian crew and there's, you know, there's it's sort of differently racially coded in the first one, I think. 
And this is sort of right in the point where they're beginning the process of kind of reassembling what these teams are going to be and figuring out who all the players are going to be. And I think that diversity in that cast that is so widely praised, and I think rightly so, took a little while to kind of develop and stabilize. Mm. Perhaps if you had a more diverse cast from the beginning, you would not have had Paul Walker doing that. (laughs) But it's another reason to love the franchise because they grow and learn and get better. (laughs) They do. Although, and in the latest one, they refer to John Cena, who obviously does not look like Vin Diesel's brother, but then they talk about the diversity of the Toretto's and Mm -hmm. saying that they didn't know there was a Nordic strain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's camp. It's camp. It's camp. At least there in character refers to the mixed bloodlines of the family. And I sort of had that like, yikes. I was like the yikes emoji when that happened. And then she said miscegenation. No, I'm kidding. But she did say mixed race. (laughs) She said, she at least said mixed bloodlines. And I was like. Or mixed bloodlines. I was like, Well, it's weird because as like, as in life, the movie plays in a really interesting way with uh, Vin Diesel's sort of ethnic ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And just even the yeah. the, <laughs> the person they get, ca- the, the people they cast in F9 as his younger self and then also his father, it's like just this really, like, is he Italian? Is he, is he mixed, like, half black, half white? Or is he Latino? He could be anything. Yeah, and I, and I think they anything. really just, they just go with that. What? I do want to say when you talk about growing is and I was struck I kind of went back through the trailers of some of the older ones and so you see all the half Nate they see the first one seemed a little bit more steamy than this one and I appreciate how now that they're older and they have kids and it's le- a lot less steamy. It's just yeah. work. The, the sex <laughs> element, the, the first movie, if you look at that trailer, it's it's promising very much, as you have said, a kind of like a skimpily dressed women sort of setup and people making out and having sex. And there's like very little sex in these movies anymore. Mm-hmm. These are like old mm-hmm. married people now. Yes. And <laughs> like the, the franchise the itself grew up, finished college, got married and had kids. You can certainly assume that these married people are still having plenty of sex but the movies yeah. are not showing it anymore mm-hmm. they've they've evolved quite a bit um quite a bit from that <laughs> i just want to ask one closing question what would you like to see next from this franchise aisha rasco what would you like to see next so i do think and this may be controversial i do think that all good things have to come to an end even if they make a lot of money you're coming up on the 10th movie I think that may be a good time to at least take a break because, as we said, they went to space this time. There's only so much more that you can do. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what I would like to see is them go to someplace maybe that's very cold, like Alaska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember them already being yeah, like did. in the Arctic or Antarctic because Tyrese and Luda was like spinning out on the ice. Yeah, that was the yeah. ice that was the eighth one with yeah. Charlize Theron. Lord, okay. But it could, yeah. you could have a whole movie set in the in the yes, ice, exactly. ice world. Have they gone to the depths of hell I agree. yet? Can they do that? <laughs> Underwater. That That's all I can think of right now. I can yeah. <laughs> underground. Under, underground. Underground. Right. And really, I do think shorter movies, I don't know why movies have to be so long. I need more cars, more chasing, 
And they could also, you know, jump between buildings again. I really like that. That was my favorite. I like that too. And I, my only bad news for you is I believe they're already committed to two more <laughs> in this main series. This is the beginning um, of the oh, trilogy. That's, good news. that's real yeah. good news. Uh, so, so we've got enough time for one that's underwater and one that's very cold. Sam, what do you still want to see from Fast and Furious? I want even less plot. I want all of them to be 90 minutes or less. And what I really, really, really want is a Tyrese and Ludacris spinoff in the vein of Hobbs and Shaw. There you go. They're such a winning duo. They have such great chemistry. They're fun to watch. They're hilarious. I just want to watch them do stuff. And I would love for the two of them to just have their own film and or franchise. They're strong enough actors to actually carry a film and do some really good press for it. And I don't know why we aren't giving these two men their flowers right now. They're fun to watch. They are fun Give to watch. Give Tyrese and Luda a spinoff. Uh, I got to push back on that, Sam, a little bit. I <laughs> I actually... I, Wait, we were agreeing this whole <laughs> conversation. And now... Got to spice it up. Uh, no, I agree. They're a winning duo. I love them. I think they are a garnish and not the entire meal. But maybe that's just me. So um, we call a bowl of cilantro here on Pop yes. Culture Happy Hour. <laughs> yes. I would eat a bowl of cilantro <laughs> if it was fed to me by Ludacris and Tyrese. <laughs> All right. That sounded weird. I take it back. <laughs> I take it back. Well, yeah. well, what I would like to see is, okay, so I was thinking about this because Aisha, you said underground, and then I was like, ooh, maybe they could throw in fraggles. And then yes. I was like, puppets. puppets. Why not puppets? <laughs> it, like, it, it, it not could, puppets? It's already weird. They've already gone to space. So that's what I would love to see. I would also love to see, and we didn't really talk about this, but I would love to just see a little bit more action from the women. I think that, you know, Michelle Rodriguez as Letty has talked about working on that character and making her more interesting and not just like the sourpuss. Like, is she happy? Does she have more feelings? I also would love to see more fights. We do get a, a fun fight scene with both Jordana Brewster and Letty and Michelle Rodriguez. I want to see more of that. Um, it's It seems very rare. I can think of maybe a few other like hands-on fist fights happening with the Letty character, including the great Ronda Rousey scene. Yes. I want more of that. I want to see a little bit more of the women being able to, you know, do a bit more, because I think that's one area where it's still, this franchise still kind of lacks for me. But yep. yeah, we'll see. They've got two more movies to do this. It's true. It's true. Well, and my needs are simple, less hacking, and less guns. I have a feeling I'm going to lose both of those bets, but that brings us to the end of our show here with our little family. Thanks to all of you for being here. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks again to our friends over at NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. Uh, We have another episode in that Pop Culture Happy Hour feed that is just a discussion and a review of the latest Fast and Furious movie, F9. And in that episode, which you can go over and uh, listen to now, I present my grand theory that this movie, F9, it is heteronormative camp in the best way. All right, listeners, till next time, be good to yourselves. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. On Wildcard, the new podcast from NPR, you'll hear people like comedian Jenny Slate reflect on their lives. What is something you think about very differently today than you did 10 years ago? Dressing. 
like not salad dressing. I've always loved it and I'll never stop dressing my body. That's all part of the new game show, Wildcard, only from NPR. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.